Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. All right, well, welcome back to the John Harrison Podcast. Uh, with us today, one of my favorite people, Harry Lee. Harry's uh, got an interesting background. I'm going to let him introduce himself here in a minute. But he has helped our team out probably since the day we started, maybe seven or eight years ago. And we're going to talk about burnout today. It's something that I always joke about this, but Caterpillar, when I was there, sent me to some very fancy leadership training over the years, especially as I became an executive. And not once was I in a training session where that word was mentioned. Yet if I ask a crowd of 100 people, has anybody been burned out? About 98 hands go up. So we do talk about this in our sessions, and Harry's the one that does that for us. But today we just wanted to just hit that subject you know, in a couple of different perspectives and let Harry uh, tell you what he knows about that and what he's seeing, especially in the last few years about that subject. But, but Harry, if you could just give people your background real quick. Yeah, it's so great to be here, and thanks for having me. You know, I, I was the one that uh, I talk a lot about just having an analytical mind. I have an engineering background, and so I love the analytical part of just analyzing, uh, helping people think through how they're burned out, all of that data associated with that, but also I have just a real heart from people. You know I'm a pastor now compared to before when I was a electrical engineering professor for 10 years. And so it's kind of the work that I do with you at VIP2 is a really good mix of those two worlds because I really like the professional side, I like the analytical side, and I really like the people side. And so figuring out ways to just help people keep running is really one of the main things that I think has led to where we are uh, in the burnout sessions for VF, for uh, John Harrison. And, uh, and it's been a lot of fun just seeing the company grow from the beginning and how effective it is. So it's a real pleasure to be here. You bet. And, I, and I've seen Harry in sessions. We could have 10 people in the room or we could have 50 people in the room. And you really see light bulbs go on when we talk about the subject. And Harry does that in a in a way with a lot of heart, but also, like you said, his analytical side. Um, what do you think has been, take COVID out of the picture, we'll get that in a minute, but just in general, what, for most people, what do you think burnout looks like? For most people, it's really mysterious. They don't even know how to articulate it. I would say they feel it. You know, they, a lot of, so much of it is just simply tied to stress levels that they're not even thinking about. It's just almost this innate, intuitive feeling that they know. And I Sometimes think everybody, right. yeah, they, I think you and I both know what it feels like. We've all felt it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's just been this, you know, this rising up within us. It's like the sea level of our patience is rising to these levels that just make it so easy for us to just blow a gasket, you know, and just, just lose our temper become discouraged and makes us want to just quit running mm -hmm. and so that's why I always start off in our sessions I don't know how many people out there actually have been through one but we always start out with this puzzle that talks about the mystery of burnout and how 
if you address it at a surface level, you'll get it wrong every time because the real reasons for why people behave in the way they do many times is related to what's happening deep inside and so much of it is tied to stress, what's actually happening both at home and at work. And it, just being a good leader is just trying to draw people out in those instances, is trying to get them to talk about it and, and come to some level of cognizant articulation of what those really big things are in their life that are causing them to react the way they are. Yeah, and I think, Harry, what's we've seen this, but there are some supervisors, managers that would say, well, that's not my job. Like, I, I'm just here to make sure the job gets done. I'm not supposed to be these people's therapist or their parent or whatever, but, but, but talk to this a little bit because I think the most likely people in your organization that are going to get burned out are your best people because they'll, you can keep loading them up with projects. Their attitude usually is good. So they, we, we, we stress them to the point where some of them personality type, we do that in our sessions too. Certain personality types are going to say, hey, I've got too much on my plate. We need to talk. But I think most personality types won't say that. So they might just internalize it, like you said, and that can turn into physical issues, relationship issues, whatever. They might just quit. And so I don't care how much money you pay me, I'm not, I'm not doing this. So especially in today's world, we were talking about this before we started recording today, it's hard to find good people. And, and the last thing you want to do is lose your good people. So what, what, would, you, what would you say to a supervisor or manager that says, why, why is this part of my job? Why do I have to dig deeper in, in these situations? Yeah, it's like, it's like all, these, <laughs> all these jobs, right, where people say, it'd be really nice if I could just focus on the productive part of my job and not have to deal with the drama of people. That happens in every single industry and every single job. I mean, yes. it happens in ministry, it happens in the grocery store, it happens on the manufacturing floor. You just dealing with people and the issues associated with the fact that we're humans make us a requirement of our jobs to know how to lead people through those kinds of issues. And so, you know, I always say, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but very early on, I remember somebody telling me, you know, if you want to get something done, you ask a busy person to do it because they tend to be the more productive and they, you know, the more tend to be more reliable. They're the ones that are really working hard to achieve and produce. But if you keep doing that, you end up burning out the people that you need the most. And so really, and I think so much of it for us is one, understanding the capacities of the people that are working for us, and two, trying to provide some level of pacing so that they're not just, we're not just burning them out. Because I know how hard it is to find good people and to find good, productive, competent people is even harder. And, and when you get somebody in there who's just so gung-ho and they want to prove themselves, and work really hard, you, one of the last things you want to do is to stop them from doing that. But at the same time, you just got to keep asking yourself, can they sustain this pace? And who's going to be the one to really step in and ask them to take a break? Yeah, and, and that's well said, because I think if you wait for people to come to you, it's too late. Yeah. And, and even what, what I tell leaders, even if the leader, him, he or she says, well, I, I don't get burned out. I've never had problems with this. Well, that doesn't mean your people aren't. 
And, and, and you talk about this in our sessions, but taking, you know, I kind of suggest maybe every other week, 20 or 30 minutes, just checking in with people, what's on your to-do list? How are you doing? What, you know, are you, are you overwhelmed? Are you stressed? First of all, what's your priority list? What, what's your one, two, three, four, five project? Does that match mine? Just so, so back to that thing of, well, I don't want to be a therapist. Well, you don't have to be a therapist or a counselor, but just chatting with them about what's on their plate listening to them and maybe taking something off their plate for the week or the month or rearranging some things. Hey, we, we can, you know, project three, we can wait till June on that. That might not only get their endorphins flowing, but it might totally almost be like a vacation for them. And so I think that's where, yes, a little bit of therapy, a little bit of counseling, but mostly it's just communication. Yeah. And, and so many times we, as, as leaders and as both workers and on a team, we, we're optimistic, we're overambitious in what we hope we can achieve in a short amount of time. We want to really please people, want to come through and be the go-to people. And a lot of times it's just having those conversations consistently so that you can have realistic expectations about what's really going to happen and what's not and then as a team and as a group you can kind of decide about the things you're going to let kind of fall by the wayside and it's just like you said it's such a relief a lot of times just one little detail you don't have to keep stored in your brain or don't have to worry about that either just is not going to happen that you agree as a team you're not going to do or that somebody else can pick up and help you do that's those are all great ways just to help with the pacing and long-term uh, sustaining of your effort we yeah we talk about also harry if, so someone that's a supervisor manager you always ask them what it like when you got burned out what did you do and of course we talk about realigning priorities and saying no and some of those things but but if you would, just talk a second about, because a lot of our people that come to our sessions, a lot of people listening to this podcast might say, well, I, I have nobody to delegate to. So what do I do when I've got too much on my plate? So what, what would be your suggestion for somebody in that position that doesn't have a, a staff, so to speak, to hand off projects? Yeah, this is, this is the age-old question, and so much of it is it just takes time. I mean, really, it's, it's time to either train it's effort to make sure you're not overcommitting. It's the consistency and discipline to make sure that there's not unmet expectations between you and either somebody working for you, you're working for, and all those things combined because so much of what ends up happening is that we end up just simply over-promising and under-delivering in cases where it should just be more on the table per mm -hmm. se. Yeah, the, the main thing is find ways to begin developing what you need in those cases, especially if one doesn't fall within your priority list and what you're getting paid to do. If it doesn't, you got to let that go mm -hmm. um, and just keep bringing that up with, the, with your boss and everybody else about what you're actually getting paid to do and why you're letting it go because you just can't let something go that's important to the company, but if you've trained the company to expect you to do the things that's not on your job description, whose fault is that? That's right. You know, we, a lot of times we bring those things on ourselves. And then the other thing is, especially if you've got team, 
is to try to develop those things. And that's where uh, so much of the effort comes because so many times training somebody takes a lot more effort than doing it yourself. But over time, it's an investment. And over time, it pays many, many um, yields of fruit. And so just figuring that out and trying to keep investing in people so that... That's a great example. This just came up in one of my sessions. Um, I was in Georgia talking to a group and this person in the room said, people keep calling me to get this data. You know, I get 20 calls a day. And, and I said, well, why, why do you keep taking the call? Well, it's, you know, and I said, well, where is the data? Like, well, it's on the shared drive. Like, it's on the shared drive. If they would just go to the shared drive. And, and to your point, I said, well, have you sat down with those folks and trained them on where to go get the information? Show them how to get on the shared drive. And he said, no, it's just... It's just quicker if I take the phone call. But, but like I said, it's a vicious circle because he was complaining about all these email and phone interruptions. But if he could have taken probably 10 people in, into a 30-minute training session, here's where the data exists. Please try there first. If you have any questions, I'll try to help you. But it's all right there. But again, you've talked about this. It's easier to pick up the phone and call Joe because he knows where to get it. And, and like you said, there's a little bit of us that says, well, I'm complaining about it, but I like when they call me because that shows yeah. that I'm important. But, but taking that time to train and to, you know, is, again, it's not human nature, but that, that might be the best 30 minutes or hour of your week that yeah. might save you 10 hours in interruptions. But. And we, we talk a lot about it in the sessions, just how, you know, we all want to be that go-to person and there's a part of us that wants to please, but at the same time, you know, there's that flow chart that we always show that says that when people see you doing everything, they expect you to do everything, and you got to work yourself out of that box. That's right. And just not allow the things that aren't within your job description to take over your life. Otherwise, you will never get anywhere. And so the whole thing about, you know, training others, that just takes so much discipline and consistency, because it's just like what you said, so much easier just to deal with it ourselves instead of train others how to do it. Yeah. So I know this is on our listeners' minds. This might be true generally of some younger employees, perhaps, or just people that haven't lived life maybe in the same way as others. But I hear leaders sometimes say, people are coming to me and they say they're stressed and they're overwhelmed and they're burned out, but oh my gosh, they're not. When I was their age, I, I, I could take on four times the work and I had, you know, I had four kids and we did. And so what would be your advice to a leader if they do honestly feel like somebody is kind of exaggerating their, you know, their burden, their work burden or their stress levels? Again, we can't, we can't say that for sure that they're exaggerating, but if it feels that way that somebody's not being resilient or reasonable, mm-hmm. I mean, is it okay for a leader to address that and kind of talk through that. Yeah, well, I think it's part of leadership because, uh, you know, everybody's somewhere on this journey of maturity and it feels like where there's big clash right now, culturally speaking, is largely older, you know, baby boomerish types and this young generation that's entering the workforce that many of them, you know, are the result of getting the trophy just for showing up and always getting praise just for being there. Mm -hmm. And they haven't developed a sense of resiliency or just even the character of perseverance, which is, in my opinion, it's like a muscle. 
and you just have to keep working on it. And it's a lifelong discipline, honestly. You just think about how long it took for us to become willing to work through some of these issues that are just hard that people who are just entering the workforce wouldn't have the resilience to see to do. But at the same time, how can we see where they're at, challenge them to new heights of maturity in that issue, and then really just walk with them? Because they are, they're, they're, tend to be extremely good at learning. You know, mm-hmm. that's what's so nice about the young people is they're very eager to learn. And so the more we can just encourage that and realize that everybody is at a different place. Some, not all these new work people coming into the workforce were raised on farms. You that's, know, right. Where, that's right. Or they're just working from sunup to sundown every day without exception or without questioning anything. Which isn't their fault that they didn't. Yeah. And, I, and I think about this all the time. When I was 21, I was or 20, whatever, I was in college and working. And at that point, I, I had almost a full-time job and was taking a full load of class. I felt like, oh, my gosh, I have a really burdened life. Now, my father at 20 was fighting in World War II and flying you know, air missions off of aircraft carriers in the Philippines. Now, he didn't, in, to his benefit, he didn't say this to me, but he could have said, uh, I don't think this is real stressful that you have some final exams and you have a you know a job on campus because I was taking my life into my hands every day of my life when I was 20. So so again, I, I'm, I'm glad that he didn't kind of put that in my face, so to speak, because that wouldn't have been real helpful. But he also didn't kind of play into that to the point of going, oh my gosh, that must be so you know terrible and stressful. So I think what you're saying is, again, it's about listening and and you don't, you don't want to come across, well, that's, what are you talking about? It's ridiculous that you feel stressed because you shouldn't feel stressed. That's not helpful. Um, But just kind of listening where they're at and and hearing them out. And like you said, I do think 90% of people, young or old at work, want to do a good job. They want, they, they do, yes, they need some recognition, but they also just need somebody to probably believe in them a little bit and say, no, 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 you, you are fully capable of getting that project done by, you know, Friday, whatever. And, and it's hard because, again, this is one where leaders can say, I, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to have to kind of parent them. But our whole mission of what we're doing at this little company is to have people's 40, 50, or 60 hours be a much better than it is or than it could be. And for some of those people, you grab them when they're young and you, you do encourage them, but you also give them a dose of realism. And that might put them on the right path, you know, for years and years after that. So it, it's... I just hear that a lot from people that they, that, again, it's kind of like, well, I, you know, I grew up on a farm or I did this. And, and you really can't, you can't put that on people, in my opinion. Yeah. And not only that, but you just see the way corporate America is responding because there's so many who have, you know, they're doing everything they can and know to do and with no limits on money, just spending the money to try to keep this young generation employed and not walking away. They're all part of the great resignation. And sometimes it means letting them come in with their pets to work or giving them a place to go take a nap in the middle of the day. I don't know, but, um, you know, there's probably some of that that's really productive. There's probably some of that that's not. That's true. But, you know, this is just the helping define and build the culture where you are and understanding where people are and trying to get them further along. Yeah, well, obviously we could have, this could have been a three-hour podcast, but 
if you have not been through one of our sessions, I encourage you to come. We do spend about 90 minutes on this subject and we get in depth and do some, um, even a little self-test and some things like that to either have you be aware of burnout or those that work for you. But really what always has captured my attention, Harry will ask in our sessions, so how did you know you were burned out? And you'll hear a lot of answers. And it could be, I had a heart attack, I got divorced, um, you know, I, I became very unhealthy in my eating and lack of exercise. I quit. I, I mean, just really amazing uh, emotional stories from people. And so really what we're trying to do is raise the awareness of this so it never gets to that point where it turns into a dramatic life event. So, um, again, today all I wanted to do is to at least have those of you uh, spend some time with Harry that haven't met him as, as our clients know, any of you that have questions, concerns, want to chat more about this, just reach out to us uh, and we'll do that. Um, but, but I really encourage you as a leader, just if anything, just to be meeting regularly with your people, to ask them where they are, how are they doing. That in itself might, you know, we always talk about kind of keeping passion burning for people. That might be all it takes is that you show that you care where they're at and so yes, you don't have to be a, a PhD psychologist or a psychiatrist with your folks, but really just showing some caring and compassion will go a long way. And again, just remember there are people that will probably never say a word if you don't initiate it. So if you wait for them, you might be waiting a long time. So Harry, thanks for just sharing some of your wisdom with us. And um, thank you for all you've done for us for all these years. And I know you've touched a lot of lives, both in person and virtually the last few years. But um, this subject is critical, and um, I'm just honored that you're part of our team. So thank you so much. You're so welcome. It's been an honor to be a part of it. Right. Thanks, Harry. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.